This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. Where I am here, as always, with my good friend, Jeremiah Jerome Stringer of Somerset fame. How are you, my regionally <laughs> famous friend? I'm doing fantastic, man. Just getting home from a, a big trip. Flew in yesterday, so trying to catch up on some sleep. Yeah, you flew like to uh, the Long Trail, didn't you? Didn't you go back and visit your old stomping ground? Yeah, got to, got to meet up with some few people, a couple people I hadn't met. Kyle Hay talking. I had, you know, we've both been on his podcast, I believe, in the past, and he's been on here, and uh, I hadn't got to meet him in person, and then it's all good in the woods, or it's good in the woods, it's I should say. Wood. Yeah, Justin yeah. Sylvester. He's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Miyagi, Miyagi on the trail, he was there. Now, who's and- that? I don't know that guy. <laughs> Miyagi? Miyagi. Trailcraft Designs, right? Yeah, Trailcraft Designs, Miyagi on the trail, Miyagi and Trips on the trail. Yeah, and uh, also Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir, of course, was on this trip. Now, who's that? Oh, Backpacking with Jason. Is he? Do we know him? <laughs> He's regionally famous. He's regionally famous. <laughs> yeah, so we all went on this trip. Uh, Jason and I flew up together, left. I think I went to his house Wednesday of last week. Oh, that's awesome. Thursday morning. Yeah, except I had to sleep on his couch. That was rough. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, you would think okay. uh, you'd think someone like Jason would be much more accommodating than that. <laughs> well, I could have got a hotel, but his at, his house is like an hour and a half from mine, hour and fifteen minutes with light traffic. Yeah, it's so, about twenty five minutes from my house. Yeah, but the issue was I had to meet up with him to to go to the airport. Yeah, so, people, well, what's funny is you went out to his house and then you had to drive back from where you came. To get to the airport. Yeah. Well, I don't know how we went. I just let him handle all that. I was half asleep because the flight left at like 730 in the morning. So you got to fly that early. That's not too bad. Well, yeah, but I had to get up at what? Five. Oh, man. But you're a teacher. I know. I've been sleeping every day until like, what, 11? Like, I think I got up today at 11, but. 11? Yeah. I was running. Now, look, man. We, 11? Wait, till you, wait till you hear what happened on this trip, dude. Okay, but 11? Is that normal? 11? Oh, yeah, sometimes I get up at 1. What? Why not, man? You can do it. I have two dogs, and all you got to do is let outside and feed and make sure you uh, water. So do you use like a watering can? But Do like a two and a half gallon. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not a can. It refills itself, the bowl. Oh, I got so, you. So, yeah. We're, I had to get up really early, so I think that I was on a streak there for a little while, maybe five nights in a row that I had five hours of sleep, five to six hours of sleep. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's good stuff right there. So today I had to catch up on all that. I got you. I got you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your trip. So you went to, uh, you went up to the Long Trail. What did you guys do? Well... The the play by play is we flew up there and got there. 
probably in the afternoon, three or four o'clock, and still had to drive for three or four hours. We flew into Boston, and then the long trail, the part that we were doing, is around Burlington, Vermont. So we had to drive there in a rental and then got a hotel and the next day. Well, that night we met up with Justin and Miyagi and hung out and, you know, chilled. Then the the next day we started actually backpacking, had to shuttle all the vehicles. There's a lot of logistics that people don't think about whenever, when it comes to doing one of these bigger trips with like making sure you have vehicles in the right place or making sure you have a shuttle and making sure your flights line up and all that stuff, the hotels. Yeah. So we started backpacking, and I think the first day after we shuttled the cars, we did like 11 and a half miles. That's so, not bad. Now, it wasn't horrible, but the the elevation changed. Like, there were multiple times where it was a 1,000 foot a mile or more, like bouldering, rock Ooh. scrambling. Yeah, it Those was. slow miles. Oh, we were at one point, Super one mile, mile an hour. Oh. Yes. It's that, rough. that can be brutal. That can be brutal. Well, the only saving grace was like the elevation. Even though it was the highest elevation in Vermont, the highest peak was like, I don't know, between 4,500 and 5,000 feet. So it's not like you're running out of oxygen or anything like that. No, but a thousand, a thousand feet every mile can be pretty intense. Oh, do that for a couple of miles. <laughs> Tell me you're not tired. Yeah. So we had a lot of that mixed in. It was mostly uphill. And if you look at the elevation profile, it's pretty rough, but that was our 11 to 12 miles the first day. And then we, Kyle, we didn't get to hike with him. He had to work and this was on a Friday. So he got off work Friday and still beat us to the campsite. Apparently it was the closest campsite to his house. Cause he oh, lives in cool. Vermont. Yeah. So I don't know how long it took him, but he hiked in a mile and a half, had some cold refreshments for us. And brought some snacks and stuff, and we went to a tent site, and then the next morning we rolled out before he had his stuff packed up, and he had some stuff to take care of on Saturday. Gotcha. Yeah, and then met back up with us Sunday and hiked with us. Well, that's cool. Yeah, he, uh, so you were in his old stomping grounds, basically. I think he's done that trail twice, and he said he tries to get out at least once or twice a week and do trail running. Man, he, (laughs) he showed up on Sunday and he had no shirt on. <laughs> and I, I walked over. He's he's pretty much got a six-pack, man. He's really, really fit. And I was like, held my camera. I was walking around filming. And Kyle walks up. And I was like, hey, man, has has anybody seen that Abercrombie and Fitch? Mo- oh, oh <laughs> right here he is, man. He's he's really in shape, dude. He was running up and down those hills. Of course, we well, had packs on. The, and he had You know like, what that means, right? What's that? That means we were wrong about one thing. <laughs> what is it? He can't be Dan Becker's kid if he's got a six pack. No, <laughs> no. it's not possible. Dan, Dan's not a big guy by any stretch, but Dan is not a six pack kind of guy. No, I think Dan though is over six feet tall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. How tall is You're, how tall is Kyle? Uh, man, I honestly don't know. Maybe five ten, somewhere in there. So he's but, he's a normal size. He's not a real tall guy either. He's just, I guess, average, but he's really fit. He's also got the advantage because I think he's like 20, 25 years old maybe or something. So the testosterone is just flowing through the body. (laughs) (laughs) It's harder, man. So the hot take take for this episode, Kyle hates hiking. Kyle O'Grady is full of testosterone. He's full of it, man. Loaded with it. He is is the king of (laughs) testosterone. That's the excuse that Jason would use. Or like, he'd be like, ah, oh, man, 
Uh, it's so much harder whenever you get older, you know. You get you start getting a belly and stuff because you know, you're older, you're younger, you got more testosterone, and it's just you're just like, oh, I'm ready to go, 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 go. Yeah. And then when you get older, it really slows down. So uh, how did everybody do with the hiking, man? Was, did anybody struggle with it, or was everybody pretty good? Well, the the rough part was the Friday before I started hiking. So we started hiking on a Friday morning. Yeah. The Friday evening the previous week, I rolled my ankle really bad playing basketball. And like it was swelled up. You're I was too taking, old for that now. You can't play basketball anymore. <laughs> That's now I got hung up on somebody's foot. It was their fault. You're so, too old, man. You're too old, that, man. <laughs> That's I'm over the hill. You're over the hill. The You're past your prime. It's the dirty thirty. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be that soon here in a few years. I know, man. A few years. A few years. Yeah, that was I'm, that was almost two decades ago for me. <laughs> I'm twenty eight, man. So <laughs> Anyway, I was playing basketball, I rolled my ankle, and so it was swelled up and bruised up. It's still swelled up now, especially after doing all that backpacking. I got it wrapped oh, yeah. back up. But I got up there, and it was sore, and I knew it was going to be an issue. So I think I was favoring it a little bit. And then on Friday that we were actually backpacking, I rolled my right ankle just a little bit, but it didn't hurt that bad. But I guess the way that my leg turned, it kind of tweaked my knee, and it uh, – it hurt pretty much like every step that day and the next Ooh, day. That's no fun. Yeah, so I took the wrap. I had a sleeve for my ankle anyway that I had bought, and I put that sleeve on, and I wrapped up my knee. And then just, you know, what are you going to do? You just got to tough it out. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to pick you up and carry you, so you know, it wasn't too bad. Backpacking with Dad wasn't going to pick you up and carry you if you got hurt? <laughs> Not a chance. What I'd, kind of father what, is he, man? Well, I told Miyagi, so I want you to take a guess how heavy Miyagi's pack was. I know the pack he was using because I've got the same one. Uh-huh. It's he a took 26 that? liter pack. Mm-hmm. So my guess is his pack maybe weighed 12 pounds with everything in it, maybe 15. Without water, and he, I think he carried one liter of water most of the time. Without water, it was 14 pounds. Yeah, Ridiculous. not surprised. I try to get him to switch me backpacks because I think mine was like without water. If you count my food and fuel 20, and everything. At least 20. <laughs> mine? Yeah. At least 20. You're funny. It was like uh, 26 or 27. Before, before water? The, before water. Yeah. Wow. Maybe it's That's 24. a lot, bro. That's more than Because we went out and we did an overnight. But I guess you weren't, maybe you weren't bringing a lot of water, but that was like 26 pounds with water. I know, but this trip, like I couldn't, I, I wanted to be prepared for the tents because I knew we were summoning Mansfield and that's the highest point. And I kept checking the weather up there and you know, you never know what's going to happen. So if it says 50 degrees as the low, it's probably like you know, 30. Yeah. You, well, you just never know. Yeah. So. I didn't want to chance it, and plus, like, I'm not close to home, so if I need help, there's not really anybody I can call and be like, hey, can you bring me this, this, and this, or something like that. You either have to get off trail and buy it, or, like, your your trip is rough. But yeah. let me tell you a little bit more about the trip. So, Dude, let me ask you another question. Okay. Justin Sylvester, is he a billy goat? Dude. He, is he just go? He is uh, about Miyagi's hot. I was yeah, very, he's a short I, guy like us. <laughs> yeah, he's stocky. He is farm strong, man. He was channeling the inner goat. And oh, yeah. He's, 
He was going up. Everybody's backpack was about the same weight, except for Miyagi's. Of course, his was super light. And Kyle, I have no idea what his backpack weight was. It was just a one-nighter for him. But Justin was just climbing around like a madman. But pretty much, we stuck together the whole three days. And we were within shouting distance the entire time. Maybe if somebody needed to take a phone call or something, they kind of fell back or wanted to film. But other than that, you know, we hung out and talked. So does this mean you're going to do a trail video? I'm going to do a trail video of it. Here's my idea. I thought about (laughs) if the people that are just listening, they don't see how surprised John's face is right now. I guess he's excited. Yeah, man. I miss your trail videos. Like you don't do them very often. So it's, it's kind of exciting. I never do them. So, I mean, I really have no room to talk, but. Well, I think they, they let people see that you actually are backpacking. You're not just like talking about it or like making a video about pieces of gear and stuff. You're actually getting out there and using it. And well, and I've learned something too. What's that? I've learned that if I do trail videos, like I did one last week that I released Mm -hmm. the weekend before I went to the red river gorge for like three or four days. Yeah. And, uh, actually it was, and it was supposed to be four days, but it was so hot. We decided the last day to bail. Cause it was like, it was like 95 degrees out or something. Oh, um, rough. yeah, it was just, it was, it was miserable. But, um, but I did a video on like, people have been asking me, well, how do you cook your steak when you're on, on trail? Mm-hmm. And so I decided I'm going to do a video on like how we do food, like on trail. If you want to bring real food out on the trail, dude, that is the worst viewed video that I've put out. <laughs> In literally like a year and a half, like it has fewer views than any other video I've put out in over a year and a half. It, it blew my mind. I was shocked. I was like, man, all these people asked for this video. I'm never doing that again. Like that was terrible. <laughs> Do you think those people just have the loudest voice? I'm guessing so, man, because nobody watched it. Like, I, you know, I, people don't know this, but on YouTube, we get, we've got this app called YouTube Studio and we can watch and see how a video ranks with the last 10 videos that we've released. Yeah. And I get on there and it says 10 of 10. I'm like, oh, that's not good. And then I realize it's not just 10 of 10. Like if I had 25 on there, it would be 25 <laughs> of 25. It was bad. <laughs> so like note to self, no more uh, videos out on. A, and one guy, this is the best part, Jeremiah. This is the best part. Some yeah. dude literally went out of his way to tell me that it felt like an ingenuine video, that I wasn't being sincere and unsubbed. Wow. And I'm like, Okay, so, so I'm actually on a trip. I'm actually cooking my food. Like, that's the food we ate. Uh-huh. And I'm talking about it and showing video of it. And apparently, like, I'm really an insinc- insincere steak eater. So when I eat my steak, I need to have more emotion, I think. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe when, I, when I'm, when I'm uh, scrambling eggs, I just need to have more passion in my egg scrambling. I don't know. Like it was the weirdest <laughs> comment I've ever gotten in my life. Some dude literally said that I just didn't, it, it, it lacked that JK sincerity is what I, it's what they said. And then they said unsubbed. Maybe that's why I didn't perform well. I'm laughing because Maybe. I feel the pain, man. Well, and, and the, the, and on the very first line, he said, I can't believe how bad JK's food looked. I saw the thumbnail, man. I thought it looked delicious. I thought it was I, it was delicious, and I thought it looked pretty dang good. But I, apparently, man, my food looked terrible, and I was insincere about eating. <laughs> well, I took a lot of dehydrated things. Mm. I, I'm not huge, I don't think, on the Mountain House stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, Peak Refuel, yeah. I got a number of those. And then um, 
it, man. And you don't have to use as much water for peak. Yeah, it's only like a cup of water. You can really save. You can really save on on the water if you refills if uh, you use that stuff. Yeah, that they have one that was the strawberry granola. Oh, it's so good. It's like eating a bowl of cereal. It's so good. The, the like it's one of the few that has powdered milk in it where you you don't realize it's powdered milk when you're eating it. It's better if you have cold, cold water, like fresh right out yeah. of the water source. Mine was kind of lukewarm, but well, yeah, if you, you if it's you a need. cold night up on the mountain and you mm-hmm. left your water out, it can be pretty good. I ate it for lunch. Oh, you ate it for lunch? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Granola for I lunch. Think, that's that's fascinating. Well, I had the strawberries and all that in there too. That makes sense, though. What? It makes complete sense because you don't get up till eleven o'clock most days, anyways. <laughs> So that is breakfast for you normally. So that makes total sense. Let me tell you about the miserable sleep. Let me hear about the miserable sleep. Okay. Would you sleep in a tent or a hammock? Well, I took a hammock. So yeah. Friday night, we went to that tent site, and I pretty much uh, I hung my hammock across the tent platform on two trees on either side of the platform. And mm-hmm. we were the only ones there. Apparently, Kyle said that nobody ever uses that site because there's two shelters that are so close by, and it's in an inconvenient spot if you're actually doing the long trail because it doesn't really set you up for success for getting to town or summiting or, like, getting to where you're going. So okay. it's kind of an in-betweener. So I just took one of those tent sites and hung my hammock up, and then everybody had hammocks except for Justin. Everybody. And he so, was using that Lanshan, wasn't he? Lanshan one, yeah. He loves that tent, man. But the uh, the problem with that was, since it's a uh, non freestanding, he couldn't put it on the the tent platform. So he had to go beside it in the one little flat area that was in the oh, this hole. Man. So they build these platforms just on the side of the hill because where are you gonna put them? But they make the platforms level because obviously you're wanting to put a tent on them. Even if they cleared out that whole area, it's just a slope. It's all downhill or uphill. So he had a tent. Everybody else is in hammocks. So the first night, fantastic sleep. Slept great, but still, you know, you're hanging out with friends. It's your first night hanging out together. Kyle's there. You know, everybody's having a great time. We all go to sleep fairly late. Then had to wake up really early because we still had what was supposed to be, I think, 10 and a half miles, and you're summiting the highest point in Vermont that same day. So it's like three or four miles to the summit plus an additional whatever, six miles afterward. Oh, so that's wow. a big day, you know? And this, some of it's like hand over fist climbing. You got to go up ladders. You have to climb around. There's one spot that's really, really wild that if you fell there, you definitely, I mean, you're either going to get hurt really, really bad or it's game over. And you have to climb all that to make it to the summit. So we knew it was going to be a tough day, so we got up really early. You know, probably, I think we rolled out of there at 7. So... You know, for me to get ready by seven, I got to get up at four at least, <laughs> at, at least six and rush or five thirty. I think I got up at five thirty, maybe five forty-five. So that night, I only had like five or six hours of sleep. And then the next day, we got up to Mansfield, and that was like supposed to be the gym of the trip, right? It's the highest point in Vermont. You can on a good day, you can see whatever 10, 15 miles. Yeah, and um. On the way up to the summit, there were great views. You could keep looking behind you, but you could see like the the summit was in the clouds. 
So we got up there. It was super windy. I bet it was 20, between 20 and 40 mile per hour winds. It was whipping. It was cold. And the second that we started taking pictures and stuff on the summit, it started raining. And we had one sketchy part to go down on the other side. I remembered it from where I, I completed the long trail. I was like, there's one part that I'm hoping that we, we miss the rain on because it's a little sketch. Right, and right. We we went down the other side, made it to the first lodge, which is only like half a mile or less from the summit. And we got there probably at 1 o'clock and started drying out and had some lunch and stuff, ate lunch in there. Of course, you sit there for an hour and it's still raining and you're still at 4,000 feet or 3,600 feet or whatever. And... We're like, man, let's just wait it out and see what happens. Four, four o'clock rolls around. And so we've been there like three hours, and it's still raining. And it finally stops. And we're like, oh, it's supposed to start raining again at five. What are we going to do? Oh, no. So you can't set your hammock up above 2,500 feet because it's like uh, alpine zone or whatever. Everything's really delicate where the weather's so harsh. You're so far north that huge winters, big storms and stuff. So ended up that all of us in our hammocks had to sleep in that shelter, but none of us had pads. Oh, it's the worst. Terrible. The name of the shelter was Taft Lodge. Pretty cool shelter. I liked it. I stayed there before and, but you had a pad when you stayed there before. Yep. I was, I had a tent. I brought a tent, but this time I brought a hammock so Justin was the only one with the tent. I mean, a pad. So but he slept just fine. Oh, he slept fantastic, man! It's warm in there. It's oh, great. Nice. It's great. Nice. So Miyagi, he really he was just itching the whole time. He's like, I gotta go. You know how he is, man. If he's not moving, yeah, he's then he's he's just so like, funny to backpack with, man. He's he's always <laughs> he brings a frisbee with him. He we played frisbee a yeah, lot. Yeah, he brings that frisbee and he. I mean, if, if there's nothing going on, the first thing he's doing is he's throwing that Frisbee. Hey, I got I got something that just came across the news desk. Okay. Uh, Jeremy LaCroix, Midwest backpacker, just texted me this message. And I think this is really important, okay? He says, okay. and he's friends with Miyagi, too. They, buy, they backpack together a lot, too. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy tells me they're changing the name of the Gophers football stadium to Huntington Bank Stadium. That's the stadium for Minnesota, the University uh-huh. of Minnesota. Huntington Bank is based out of Dayton, Ohio. First game is versus the Buckeyes. He says, I smell a conspiracy. I suppose you can say you own us. <laughs> How about that right there? That's right. Not uh, only not only are the Buckeyes going to own them on the football stadium, they own the football stadium. Like Ohio owns a football stadium for Minnesota. I, I got to say, man. And, and you know who? another place that they own the football stadium? What? It's Kentucky. Because Kroger is the sponsor for the the University of Kentucky football statement. Where is Kroger based out of? Cincinnati, Ohio. That's right. Cincinnati, though. Escape it, dude. You can't escape it. (laughs) The Ohio. Ohio is taking over the world, bro. It's the Ohio effect. You got a Cleveland Brown shirt on. I I do have my Cleveland Brown shirt on. Yeah. We got a good team this year, too. We were uh, we probably have listeners in Ohio. I guarantee we do because Great people live in Ohio, and great people listen to this podcast. We have the best listeners on the planet. I agree with that. We, By far. On on Sunday, we were driving, and we got cut off. And, well, I guess Kyle was driving. But uh, anyway, he's like, 
freaking traffic, terrible drivers. And Jason was like, look, look at the license plate. You know what it said on it? It said Ohio. (laughs) Cut him off, blew the horn. (laughs) Yeah. Just get out of the way, dude. He was in the way. Kyle was in the way. If Kyle had just gotten out of the way, he'd have been fine. Those, um, (laughs) those, all those companies, whoever's the highest bidder, the universities will accept. Like Kroger is Commonwealth Field. They changed it to Kroger Stadium. Well, I mean, like you said, where all the money comes from. Where's all the money come from? Ohio. Yeah, or it's, maybe it's Kroger Field and AT&T State. I can't remember, something man. Like they'll, something like that. They'll, whoever will pay to put their name on it, you better believe the the university will say, okay, sounds good. It's just, Ohio, it's just Ohio putting its stamp on football in another state. That's all it is. Just <laughs> okay. Ohio putting its stamp on football. Okay, so back to the – okay. Sorry, so Miyagi, sorry, everybody listening for me changing the subject like I did, but there you go. That's okay. That's okay. We can talk for hours. I mean, there's at least two or three uh, backpackers out there that like football. So, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm one of them. Yeah, I'm the other. Yeah, and the Shill Brothers. <laughs> so Miyagi, there were cross ties, uh, kind of like rafters on the ceiling, and I didn't know how much weight they would support. Jason. He's in construction, so he said those nails that they have nailed in there on those cross ties, each one supports 150 pounds. So I didn't know if that meant that... uh, They compound? Yeah, I don't know what the equation is for how that works, so I was afraid to hang my hammock because Miyagi hung his hammock up there and it barely fit, and I bet his is 10 foot because, you know, he's not... He's not six foot three. Listen, so he doesn't need as listen, long as him. You need to quit like making derogatory comments towards us short people. <laughs> I'm like, saying it was me good and Miyagi are like within an inch of each other here, man. We <laughs> we are not tall people. Yeah, how five six? He's he's a five six five seven. I'm five eight. Yeah. So your hammock, you can use a shorter hammock so it can fit in more spaces in tight quarters, which yeah. is what he did. He hung it up there, so he hung it and even used his underquilt inside the shelter. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he needed the underquilt, but he said it was really comfortable. He didn't use had to use his top quilt, and um, I had to sleep. Jason and I both had to sleep on the wood slats again for the shelter. Yes, so <sighs> I took my underquilt, which I brought a forty, so it's not super thick. I folded it over on itself. Still mm-hmm. offers zero. And you had Tyvek, quilt. right? You had Tyvek with you or something to put underneath your quilt? Not well. The wood slats are super smooth oh, okay you know, they've, they've been slept on i mean that shelter's built in like 1920 and then rebuilt later on so it's been there a long time so 1920 it's 100 years old mm-hmm, they had a plaque in there for 100 100 year anniversary crazy, man. that's awesome mm-hmm. so i i took my underquilt and folded it on top of itself like doubled it over and then i took my slip my sit pad justin's sit pad and miyagi's sit pad and made myself the worst bed you could possibly make. <laughs> I double, I double stacked. I, I seriously thought you were going somewhere else with that. I thought <laughs> no. you were like, I, I took all the sit pads, moving down, and I finally got a good night's sleep, and you went a completely different direction with that. <laughs> it was terrible, man. I, I put two of them together and put them under my hip, slept on my back most of the night, put them on my hip, which normally I'm a side sleeper, and then the other one, mine, I put like, under my shoulder. My shoulder is still like I woke up this oh, morning. Oh yeah, I was like, stiff. Still a little tight even after a couple of days. Yeah. So, <laughs> did you take the chicken the chicken tramper bag with you? Yep, I used so the that, that sit pad. Mhm. That, that one. 
That's it's a good okay. tip that actually. Yeah, it's not I haven't used it as much as like the well, honestly, uh I guess a buddy of mine, he lost or left my sit pad, like my Z seat. So I'll take Bridget's. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about Dude, it. Dude, I left mine on the Sheltoe Trace somewhere. At least they're only like fifteen bucks. Yeah, but still, like that was before I was making a good fifteen bucks a month from YouTube. You know. Yeah. Big, big dollars, you know? The big um, But uh, I lost that when I was doing the Shell Toy Trace. That was back when I had like 17 subscribers on the YouTubes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't remember where it was. It was, um, I think it was in Rockcastle County maybe. Mm-hmm. And I had stopped for lunch. I know, I remember where it would have been, but I didn't realize until like halfway through the next day I didn't have it. <sighs> because I had a chair with me. I actually brought a chair. Uh-huh. And so when I got to camp that night, I sat on the chair, got up the next morning, headed out. And then all of a sudden realized when I got up, I was like, dang, why are my knees so dirty? And I was like, where is my sit pad? Cause I always <laughs> put my sit pad as like the, the, like it was in my tent, my fly Creek uh-huh. the fly Creek kind of sucks. Let's just shoot straight about the big Agnes fly Creek. <laughs> the tent kind of sucks. It's horrible in wind. It, uh, you get in it like a doghouse. Like that's what it feels like when you get inside of it. Cause it's the, it's a front door. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to crawl in on your hands and knees. And so I always put my sit pad in the doorway. Oh, it's like a doormat. Yeah. So my knees didn't get all dirty when I was getting into my tent. Mm-hmm. Dude, I left it. I left it out in the woods, wherever it was, I ate lunch. And it's so some, I guarantee like the next day, somebody hiked through there, found it, it was like sweet. And then they just took it home. The trail provided for him, man. It did. The trail provided. I provided for the trail to provide. Can you do me a favor? What's up? I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Can you turn down your volume just a little bit? I mean, for you, Jeremiah, <laughs> I could do anything. Thank you. I get. I, I like to hear my own voice, but not that much. Oh, come on. You love your own <laughs> voice. So, yeah, I think it's good now. So, Miyagi, I guess, was super comfortable. Justin's super comfortable. Justin's backpack, he has a, a Hilltop Packs Raven 40 liter. Yeah, it's that green one that uh, uh, what was uh, that Ben actually brought back in December or last mm-hmm. March when we went hiking. He took it on a trial run, Ben did, whenever we were with him. Yep. Yeah, so I guess that either he or Ben takes a really thick pad and oh, puts nice. it. It's like a, almost a frame. It gives it a lot of structure. I think that it might be... Justin's though I think that he just has some of that at home some like foam some kind of foam thing Mm -hmm. and he put it on the inside of his backpack where you put a sit pad you know to give it some structure on a frameless and Jason slept on that and I bet that thing was like an inch thick so Jason said he he slept pretty comfortably so you basically because you're the young guy you got the short end of the stick I I think that they just like me the least well yeah they've all told me that yeah. yeah, I feel bad about myself now. Yeah, they they said you're fun to listen to on the podcast, but you're kind of annoying <laughs> to hike with. That was kind of what, no, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Well, that, that day, Miyagi, he was like itching to keep going, but it's so stormy, and mm-hmm. we would have had, we didn't know if there was a stealth site between where we were at, at 3,600 feet, and like the parking lot that was God knows how many foot descent. So it's either sleep at the parking lot somewhere. Don't know if there's going to be readily hammock spots available 
you know, you'd have to kind of look around for them and find trees yeah. and stuff. But sometimes parking lots, you're not allowed to camp at them. Oftentimes, it'll be a like no camping. Your national parks, you're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. So there's that. We don't know if we can sleep at the parking lot. The next shelter is crappier than this one, and you can't hammock at it because it's above 2,500 feet. And it was like the next, it was six more miles. So we're like, so the we're, third night? The third the night. Same thing? Uh, no, we were, we were only planning on staying Friday and Saturday night the entire okay, time. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because we wanted to hike with Kyle too, and we knew that he pretty much had like weekends off and was limited on time. Plus, you know, our flight was booked for Monday. So, you know, we knew ahead of time that we were rolling out Monday morning early. So yeah. we just got a hotel. But yeah, we didn't know where we could camp at along the way. And Gut Hook is an absolutely fantastic app. But it still is not going to tell me like, hey, there's a stealth site here at 2,000 feet. Right. Yada, yada, yada. It's this many miles from where you're at. So we were kind of stuck between do we stay here and start? I mean, we were there from 1 o'clock, and it was time to make a judgment call at 4, and then it was going to rain again at 5, and we would have had to set up, and we didn't know how long it was going to rain. So we just chilled at the lodge, and I had a terrible night's sleep. And then at the hotel, I think I went to sleep at 11, but our flight left the next morning, and I had to get up at 5. So still, you're looking at five or six hours of sleep. So how many nights in a row is that? I mean, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Five nights in a row. So last night, I was like, I'm sleeping. I am sleeping. It was my first night in my own bed. Five <laughs> nights. Slept on a couch. Slept on wood slats. Slept in hotels. But hotels can sometimes be really nice, especially after you've been sleeping on wood slats all that time. It was the hotel. Fantastic, man. It was just a Holiday Inn Express. Had a king-size bed, room to myself. And yeah. the issue was that I had to get up at 5 a.m. and I went to sleep at 11. That was the problem. It wasn't the bed. Oh, I got you. Yeah. It was the lack it was the actual just lack of sleep that you had. Yeah, I mean, you add up for a week if you're only getting like 25 hours of sleep a week. That's not enough, man. I need that like every two and a half nights. <laughs> Dude, that's rough. I bet you'll never take uh, a hammock with you on that trail again. I would, but you know Jason he was like, I'm thinking about taking a little pad. And I was like, man, that is a, probably a pretty good idea. Because you can take, even if it's a crappy pad, or even like an X-Lot. I have an X-Lot, and it weighs, what, a pound? Yeah. 14, 15, 16 ounces. So I could have taken that, an extra pound, just for the security of knowing. Plus, you could cowboy camp if you wanted to. So right. that one extra pound, I could have dropped the chair and used the pad like the sit pad and a sleep pad, and I would have still come out the same weight. Or I could have just carried the extra pound. Yeah. I don't know. Gosh, man. I can't imagine what my back would feel like after that. Well, it's not, I don't think it's the back. It's like my shoulder and hips. That's the worst thing. Are you a side sleeper? Uh, not in my hammock. In my hammock, I'm a back sleeper, but in my in a tent, I'm always a side sleeper. Yeah, I do both in the hammock, but I kind of curl up in a ball. Most of the time. Oh, so you do fetal position. I like the fetal position, but not too locked up. I like to like a relaxed fetal position. I got you. I yeah. got you. So I don't think that you got the chance to, I can tell you anything you want to know about, about the trip, but that, that's pretty much what we did on it. 
I didn't. I don't think that you got to tell me um, all about your trip to the gorge and uh, where you all camped and all that. Yeah, and it's funny because I kind of want to talk about that a little bit about the gorge specifically. Um, I don't know if you've heard what's going on right now, um, but they're getting ready to make some major changes to the gorge. I saw. I have a text here that has like the cliff notes. You want me to read? Well, I've got it right in front of me actually right now. Okay. So what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to um, get rid of basically all unmarked trails. They, They want to designate trails only. And so there'll be a total of 50 miles of trails. No um, off trail. They want designated campsites. So the maximum number would be 350 campsites, 150 front country, 200 back country. Uh, they want to establish parking. Basically, what's going to happen is a lot of the places, they're going to decommission 650 campsites. And they're going to decommission and restore unauthorized trails, 150 miles of trails. They're going to decommission them. And basically just get rid of the trail. So a lot of the stuff that people have done over the years, uh-huh. um, like where I camped to camped at this past week is probably not going to be non-existent. Um, if everything goes through, yeah, obviously it's not all been passed yet, but they're, uh, that's some of the proposals they're having. And most of this is from overcrowding and mm-hmm. people just mistreating the gorge. So <clears throat> there's going to probably be, fines if you're backpacking in unauthorized areas or if you're camping in an off unauthorized sites well these so, are all proposed changes yeah, they're proposed like changes but there's a lot of support behind it yeah like a I, lot of support behind it well i try not to get too political with anything i just have a good time but i have the perfect fix for uh this situation with the gorge guard dogs <laughs> not not guard dogs <laughs> it may involve guard dogs oh yeah but here's what i would do anytime that you get something that's managed by a ton of people it a lot of times gets mismanaged and you don't give it the right resources mm-hmm. the number one problem that they have out there isn't the rules the the rules that they already have in place this is what happens in society man you make up rules and they don't work, and then you get some bureaucrat that tells you, "Hey, we need to change the rules, overhaul the system because the people that that made this system, it's all broken. They didn't know what they were doing. So let me make a hundred thousand dollars a year, two hundred thousand dollars a year, make up the new rules so we can fix this system because it's broken. There's nothing wrong with the rules. The problem is they have one ranger that enforces how many hundreds or thousands of acres out there. I mean, yeah. how many? What do you? Can you Google and see like how large of a landmass that Red River Gorge is? Yeah, you can talk and I'll find it. Okay. So you have, I could rant about this all day, man, because it makes me so angry. And like I said, I try not to be political, but it's not that you're working in a broken system out there for 29,000 acres. 29,000 acres. You got one or two people patrolling the entire area. And a lot of it is private property. So, I mean, it's hard to patrol that unless you are, um, you know, what, what type of law enforcement is allowed to just walk through whatever properties and, you know, check permits and all that. So you, you have to have those rangers that can go everywhere, but you have to have more than two because there's too much area to patrol and enforce. Well, let me, let me say this too. Let me add this to what you're saying. 
one of the biggest problems everybody has is that when people break the rules, they try and make more rules because people who break rules will start following rules all of a sudden. It doesn't it's like make any th- sense. it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's like one of, I listen to a lot of leadership and business podcasts um, mm-hmm. because of what I do for a living. I, I do a lot of leadership, a lot of management, stuff like that. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is you don't punish the rest of your employees for the one or two that don't follow the rules. You fire the two people that don't follow the rules and you keep it open for all the people who do their job and stick with it. And you create the right environment with these kinds of rules. They just need to make stiffer fines and actually punish people when they do these things. The problem is a lot of people just get warning slaps on the wrist and they walk on and they're like, well, I got away with it. I'm going to do it again. You know, if you've already got rules in place, just make sure you actually do what you're supposed to do with the rules. Like if people are actually afraid they're going to get fined if they do this stuff, they're not going to do it. But if they think they'll just tell me to move, you know, they're not actually going to do anything. You know, like that, that's a big part of the problem. It's like, it's like raising a toddler. If you tell your toddler, I'm going to take away your toy. If you don't do this, they keep doing it. and You never take away the toy. They're just going to keep doing it. Well, I think it's important for people to understand, especially the people listening right now, that like we're we're basically off the cuff here. Yeah. Think thinking out loud Very. on on what this situation is like. And it's completely fluid. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I have the best advice. And I think you have great advice, Jeremiah. <laughs> Thank you, John. I think you have fantastic I don't wanna, advice. I don't want to endorse anything. I just want to make it clear that I think that, like you said, you can't just make up more rules because people are breaking rules. But I think yeah. it's more complicated than what what we're saying too. It I think is. that a lot a lot of these rules that that they're proposing are kind of already in place, especially when it comes to the campsites. It what I read was that they don't want camps. They're looking at not putting camps on ridge tops. They're putting not putting camps on by streams. Mm-hmm. So that kind of leaves you with in between no man's land, which can be done. And it would pretty much be like the Smoky Mountains. You know, you schedule shelters, you schedule your campsites ahead of time. You have X number of miles. You're supposed to stay on trail, you know. So it's structured. It's a structured outdoor experience, which those are fine too. But the reason why it's getting ruined now is you have a lack of education, a lack of awareness on what people are supposed to do. And, the leave no trace stuff is absolutely fantastic, but I think that we had to make sure we keep the conversation going on what what are the proper things and non-proper things to do out into the backcountry. How do you dispose of your waste properly? All those kind of necessities right. that keep land from being damaged. What you know, probably don't use a rope um, for your hammock straps use something that's not going to damp- there's all kinds of different things that people don't don't think about and it's not their fault it's just a lack of education and awareness it's not our fault for them not knowing either it's it's but- also and it's it's also just irresponsibility when they're on trail uh people camping on ridge tops and then trying to reach out as far as they can and taking a selfie and then falling to their death because that mm-hmm. happened just a few weeks ago some a girl did that you know she yeah. had a selfie stick out with her phone and was trying to to get a, a really cool picture of herself and lost her balance and fell off the side of a cliff and died and people who go up there and they're drinking and 
you know, there's nothing wrong with having, having a beverage when you're on the mountaintop, but if you're mm-hmm. going to stay on a Ridge, you got to think a little bit. If you're not the brightest mm-hmm. person in the world, when you've had a few drinks and you don't be drinking up on a Ridge top, because <laughs> you, it, it's, it's these little things that are like, they seem like common sense, but people aren't using common sense and they're getting hurt. And it's, it's not just hurting them and their families, obviously, but it's also uh, damaging for future people who want to go experience these beautiful places. Because mm-hmm. uh, you were asking about this past weekend. I literally had my hammock on a cliff. Like, I wasn't at the edge of the cliff or anything like that. The edge of the cliff was probably a good 50, 60 feet away. Mm-hmm. But I could see the sun setting off in the distance from my hammock. Like I could watch the sunset laying in my hammock. Yeah. Um, I got up in the morning. I was able to look out over the valley and see the fog rising up in the morning. And, uh, you know, just, it was beautiful and that's not going to be there anymore. You know, if the, if these things happen Mm -hmm. and whereas, I mean, I get it from one end, I get it because we can't have people just destroying the gorge, but at the same time, it's sad because, uh, one of the great things about the gorge is that you have the ability to explore. Well, it's not just an isolated problem either. No, like it's the, not. we're it's saying not. the gorge, but really you're talking about at least nationwide different parks that are being destroyed by just you know, lack of awareness, lack of education, irresponsible behavior. Yeah. And I think I think it's the minority of people that you actually hear about these stories like that, that make irresponsible decisions, whatever they're wasted and they accidentally step off a cliff or, you know, they weren't prepared with the right clothing. They might get lost and need rescue or whatever. I think those, that's the minority of the situation. I think most, most of the time the issue is usually like people are just throwing trash. It's not just the woods. I mean, look at the side of the road anywhere. Look at the pollution that we do. It's, it's that man, people just destroying the environment. And it's one of the worst areas in the state is the section of the Sheltoe trace South of Cumberland falls. Mm-hmm. That Anytime is, it gets tourist. I've never seen a section of trail like that. Yeah. I, mean, I picked up two full, uh, one gallon bags of trash when I hiked through there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two the full bags. And I didn't make a dent, you know, it was just, there were, there were tricycles and, wagons and like folding chairs not not backpacking chairs or camping chairs but actual metal folding chairs Mm -hmm. just laying paint cans like paint cans everywhere why are there paint cans in the woods you know and and it's just it's frustrating because (laughs) they are the minority of the people you know like Uh the average person going out is not doing that stuff no now the It, it is complicated, man. Life is complicated. Everything's complicated because you have to think like the way I was raised, this is not a knock to anybody, but like I'm, I'm Appalachian and here the way that you, I don't do this now for the record, you know, I've tried to talk a lot about the the things that we're talking about now with how to hike responsibly and all that stuff and leave it like you found it. That's just the general idea. But the way I was raised in Appalachia, you know, you're in the mountains and people didn't think about pollution. You know, you pour your motor oil just 
wherever, somewhere in the yard, or you use your burn barrel and your trash. If you have a refrigerator or something like that you need to get rid of, you just throw it over the hill or you take it and dump it wherever in the woods. Your paint cans you just throw out. And also around the river and stuff, um, since we pollute other areas just in general, I say we because I think just as a a whole society, a lot of that stuff, yeah, just generally gets washed into your watershed. So, like, that's why your lake is so dirty, you know, if you live around a lake. That's why when the water gets up, especially, you know, in the rainy seasons, it brings a lot of that trash downstream with it, and you see tires and trees and paper and, you know, all this stuff, all this trash that you normally wouldn't see, it all gets washed up next to the river. And then sometimes it's on the sides of the river, and the river's way down. And you're yeah. like, why is all this trash here? Why did somebody dump all this junk? In reality, last year it wasn't there. And the river gets so high that it dumps all that. But like where you're talking about with Cumberland Falls, I don't know if that's the case, but I know it's really touristy, and the locals... Cumberland Falls from my house when I was a kid was probably an hour, you know. Yeah. Now I live even closer. And people just don't they're just good old boys, good old girls, and they live their life and they don't they're not listening to the podcast like this, you know. They're not they're not taking all this in. They're just living life the way that they've always done it. And they live peacefully and they don't see anything wrong with it. And so it's hard, you know, when you have a culture already that's based in not you don't really think about that stuff and it's not your fault it's just the way you're raised it's where you're born you know yeah they it just happens and i don't know what all the solutions are but mainly for the gorge i think you have to enforce what you already have especially if you're worried about campsites and like rehabilitating different areas that people have camped in that shouldn't yeah you're they already have rules in place for like not camping under ledges not camping on top of cliffs staying so far away from the edge you know, being X number of feet away from trails. You well, know, I, I on, think it goes back to what you were saying. I, you've got to have the people working to enforce it. You can't just have a few, like one or two, maybe three people for 29,000 acres of land. You know, it's 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 hard. And not only that, but uh, if you're going to spend all the money to clean up all of that, that's years and years of salaries of people mm-hmm. that could be working there. And right mm-hmm. now people need jobs, you know, that, that yeah. where someone could come in and they could work and help to make it a more healthy environment and still keep that wild nature of it. Cause I mean, for well, me, that's one of the things I love about like the idea of BLM land, you know, mm-hmm. Bureau of land management, that, that land that you can just go out and you just kind of hike it and camp wherever, because it's, it's publicly owned. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to do that at the gorge has been one of the great things. It's one of, for me, especially as I was learning how to backpack, it was cool to be able to just go out and be like, okay, let's just go until we find a campsite. Yeah. You know, don't have to go in with a plan. Just we're going to go until we find a campsite or being able to find that campsite that no, that very few people know about. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things are going to go away. I mean, you're just not going to have that anymore. And uh, it's, it's sad. It's just sad that, that the potential of that going away is there. Um, I get it. Like, it's not like I'm mad at anybody or it's just sad that the potential for, uh, that wild camping kind of nature is going to be potentially taken away. 
Well, especially hits home for us because that's our stomping ground now. You yeah. know, that's within an hour or two, and it's like the perfect spot. It's got views, and it's oh, got man. rivers and creeks and streams, and it's, it's local, and you can meet up. Speaking of that, my trip. Mm-hmm. Let's get off the political thing because I, I could talk <laughs> about this. I could rant. Like, I, I'm ready to rant. And I just, I'm like, got to change the subject. Got to change it. So here's the deal. So we went up. It was me and my buddy Josh, um, mm-hmm. and we decided what we are going to do is we went – we weren't going to be able to go till we got off work on third Wednesday on Wednesday. We left on Wednesday and we hiked up to Hanson's point. No, it wasn't Thursday. No, it was Thursday. We went up on Thursday mm-hmm. and uh, we hiked up to Hanson's point because it was a short hike. Um, and we weren't going to get there till after seven. So we knew we could still hike to Hanson's point and get there before with plenty of daylight to uh, put up our hammocks and put up his tent and get set up and still eat dinner and everything and mm-hmm. it not be crazy late. Um, and so we got there, we hiked up. It was great. Had steaks. Dude, the meal we had. Can I tell you about the meal we had? Yeah, tell me about it. I brought, it was probably a pound and a half steak. I mean, it was like an inch thick sirloin. It was probably a good 10 inches long, about four or five inches wide. It was this beautiful steak. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a huge steak. Josh pulls out a three-pound T-bone. Oh, my gosh. This thing was as big as, like, a football. I mean, this thing was huge. Did you pre-cook it? No. Just all over the fire. All, all by the fire, yeah. And so we, uh, he, brought, he also brought, um, he had cooked out the night before, so he brought this tinfoil thing that had shrimp, peppers, onions and mushrooms in it uh, yeah so he brought that was hungry. already cooked so that just needed to be reheated and then he brought another thing full of asparagus and he made some like garlic herb butter to put on it uh, i'm salivating oh my gosh man we ate so much food um so like we we took some stones some flat stones and we set them right in the coals right mm-hmm. there at the edge of the fire let those stones get super hot. And then we put some foil over that just so that we didn't have to worry about cleaning crap off of our steaks. Mm -hmm. And then we put our steaks on there and just let them cook right there by the fire on the stones. And then we took the aluminum foil with the, uh, the asparagus and the shrimp and everything and just set those right beside the fire to heat those up. How'd that work? Dude, we ate so good. Let me ask you something about the rocks you cooked the steak on. Yeah. So one thing that I'm always a little bit scared of, especially if I get rocks around water sources is putting them near the fire. I'm mm-hmm. afraid they'll crack and pop and maybe a piece will hit me. Something could hit you in the eye or, you know, cut you or something like that. Do y'all ever worry about, worry about that when it comes not to the rocks point? Yeah, I know it's dry up there. They're not, they're not like that there. Plus it had been really dry. It'd been 90 degrees the last three days. There yeah. was nothing wet. Like, he said, you're in charge of the fire. I said, okay, within three seconds, we had a fire. I mean, it was so easy to make a fire that night. And uh, so, yeah, we, we had no problems with the rocks. Plus, I put the foil over it. Mm-hmm. So if something was to crack, it would hit the foil. Mm-hmm. So that would give some protection if you were worried about that. But I wouldn't do it with wet rocks. I would never. Yeah, I think the temperature dangerous. change, like if it's been in the creek too. Yeah. And it's cold and then you're heating it up, like maybe yeah. a little ring or something. Yeah. Yep. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, I would have brought, if we, if we weren't going to be in Hanson's point, I have a little titanium grill that I probably would have brought and used it instead. Like a grate. Yeah. It's just a yeah. little. It, Fold up. Yeah. Super easy to use. 
Mm. I, I would have probably used that, um, which so would have been do? perfect. What'd y'all do on Friday? Well, we did. Okay, so we did. So we hiked out. Um, and I was wrong. We did hiking on Wednesday. This is I'm tired. I raise toddlers and I have no sleep. But uh, <laughs> okay. so Wednesday night we stayed at Hanson's Point. Thursday we went down and caught Oxier Ridge. At least part of it. We hit we hit the opposite ridge. Mm. So if you go to the Red River Gorge and you go to the Oxier Ridge um, parking lot, there's two trails. You've got one that goes to the right, and that's the Loop Trail, mm-hmm. or you can hike up a ways. And there's a little like side road. It's an old logging road. And you can hike up to that, and it keeps going to the left, and there's some uh, backcountry campsites up through there. Mm, And so that's where we hiked up to. At this point, it was probably like 90 degrees out. It was really hot. So we got to camp, and I set up my hammock. My hammock was in the shade. Uh So I took like a 35, 40-minute nap. I just got in the hammock and passed out. That's wonderful. uh, Josh just kind of hung out at his tent and, and all that stuff. And then the, the sun shifted so that it was over the, directly over the hammock. And when it did that, I quit napping, obviously, and I got <laughs> up because it was just too hot. And uh, so I set up my hammock or my tarp thinking, oh, that'll give me shade. That was stupid. It just turned everything under the, the tarp into like a greenhouse effect. So yeah, like you got the <laughs> oven. Yeah, I was just I thought that was a you know, you think things are good ideas. Uh. And then you do them and you realize that was just like a really dumb idea. It's That's probably, what putting up that tarp was for me. What color is the tarp? It's a Dyneema tarp. What color Dyneema? Uh, it's like a greenish color, like a light green. Yeah. It was bad. It was just bad. It was just hot. Yeah. So, uh, but that, which was fine. We had decided to go down and get water. And it's about a mile hike down to water, but it's like, 900 feet down to the water so we hiked down to the water and then we realized after we got the water we have to hike back up (laughs) (laughs) did you stay at uh, one of those campsites that's near where i've stayed before out there on the cliffs yeah 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 what i did was left the water in the car (laughs) because it's a we thought about that we actually did think about no we did have a cooler full of al8s Oh yeah. Diet for me, obviously, because of you know keto stuff, but yeah, uh regular ALATES for Josh. So we had ALATES. Um, but we went down, plus we wanted to kind of hike a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. So we hiked down and we got water, we came back up. Um and then what we did is we hiked down to the cars and got some cold ALATES and uh picked up our day packs. Because oh, we yeah. wanted to hike, we wanted to hike the Oxier Ridge Trail, but we didn't want to take like our full backpacks for that. What did you think about the, that is like the most popular loop in the gorge. It's beautiful. what do you think about it? It's beautiful, man. Like Oxier Ridge is beautiful. I still think I like Hanson's better, but I think that's one of those first love kind of things where like uh, I hiked it first. So it's always going to be my first love, but Oxier Ridge, I, I mean, it's, there's nothing to joke about with Oxier Ridge, man. Mm. It is beautiful. And it's got some really cool spots where you can just climb out on the cliffs and just kind of look at everything. And, uh, sit and relax for a while. Obviously, when it's not 90 degrees, it's a lot better. Um, yeah, there's no water up there. What's that? No water up there. No, there's no water. What we did, no. so what we did is um, we both had three bottles. We both had two one-liter bottles and like a 20-ounce bottle, and mm-hmm. we both had three-liter bags. 
So what we did that day on, on Thursday when we went down was we went down and we just loaded up. We both brought back basically five, almost three liters or almost six liters of water. Yeah. So that way we had water that night and then the next day we didn't have to get more water. Yeah, I love having all the water for the next morning too. Yeah. So Friday we just hiked out. We packed up because we were just both like, man, I don't want to sleep out here tomorrow night. Because Friday night we looked at the forecast and it was going to be 80 some odd degrees until like 10 o'clock at night. And we were just like, no, that's no good. <laughs> like, yes. Like, let's go home. Like, it's just too, it's too hot. I mean, if yeah, I were man. trying to like do a long trail or something and I didn't really have a choice, I would do it. But like, I'm an hour and a half from home and it's a weekend trip. I can go home. This is too hot. Yeah, we got July and I'm going to be at the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be at the lake. I don't know about the hiking and all that. Maybe uh some kayaking and that kind of stuff. Well, I'm doing I'm doing at least one overnight trip, maybe a two night trip next month, like in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but we may we may try and make that an up north trip. Me and Josh are gonna do another trip. We may try and do something further north where it's not quite as hot as Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know where, but we may try and do that just to kind of get some cooler temps. Uh, but we're going to go up uh, next July for, or this next month for like a weekend or a few days or something like that. But man, dude, I, I don't want to go south. It's no, so it's hot, hot this summer. Yeah, and it, it was hot in Vermont too. I mean, it's like 80, 85 degrees. At, at least it cooled down degrees. at night up there, didn't it? Yeah, it cooled down pretty good at night. I'd say it was in the 60s, low, oh, that's low nice. 60s. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. And also what that means is your backpack, it can be a lot lighter. Like I took a 50 over and a 40 under, and that's a lot lighter than like a 10 or a zero. Yeah. You know, significant. I mean, you're saving pounds at that point, pounds of weight. Yeah, absolutely. You're also Did you still take sweating. a puffy jacket with you? Took a puffy. I put it on a couple of times, but it's mainly a pillow. So funny story about us. We took, uh, I didn't take a puffy, obviously, when I went to the gorge because. Mm-hmm. I looked at the weather forecast and there's no elevation high enough to where it's really going to drop temperature when, uh, when it gets hot. Mm. Um, so I didn't even take a puffy. I took like a long sleeve shirt and that was my insulation. So it was like a Columbia shirt, but because of how much food we took that first night, mm-hmm. I think my pack weighed 28 pounds and his weighed like almost 30 and then after the first night, when we ate all that food, I think my pack weighed like 21 pounds. Wow. I mean, we there was so much. We took so much food because we brought um, – we had sausage and eggs for breakfast the next morning. Uh, did you put all this on Instagram? It's on YouTube. Oh, man. Like the video. I mean, when I, what I'm eating in that video is what we had on this trip. And so, uh, yeah, like I, I brought – Seven eggs. I think we have, we have a, my wife works with a lady who's, whose parents own a farm. Uh-huh. And so she brought us some farm fresh eggs. We didn't have to refrigerate them. Wow. And so had like seven eggs that I brought with me. And then he brought sausage and, uh, we brought some other stuff. It was just, dude, so good. Did you bring my frying pack pan? So light. What'd you cook all those eggs and stuff in? Uh, I had a little pan, oh, a little okay. frying pan. A yeah. titanium one. And that I unloaded that in the truck before we went up on Oxier Ridge. Like I totally like we unloaded so much stuff before we went up there because uh Gray's Arch doesn't even connect with Oxier Ridge in any way, shape, or form. So uh 
we ended up hiking out to the vehicle that next morning and then just going up to the next trail. And that's when we just unloaded a ton of stuff. It's always good to ditch all that extra stuff you don't oh, yeah. need, man. Yeah. So it was a good weekend though. I mean, it was a fun trip because we got to have all, we got to, I mean, you got to hike with your buddy, you know? So there's, that's always good. It doesn't matter where it is. If you're with your friends, <laughs> it's a good trip. And so, uh, but we definitely, we definitely made our way to Miguel's for a meal. Oh, and uh, we meal? tried out, there's a new barbecue place down there yeah. and we tried oh. it out. It's all right, but I wouldn't go probably go back. Oh, um, okay. Miguel's, it's, like, it's hard to go wrong. Barbecue is expensive, Miguel's. man. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I like barbecue, I don't want to spend that much money on food that would taste good if it was like a leather shoe after a backpacking trip. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like I... food, food that's not normally great tastes unbelievable at the end of a backpacking trip. Uh-huh. And so, uh, but yeah, we didn't, we ended up going to Miguel's for breakfast one morning and we had, uh, we had omelets. Actually, no, you know what I had? What? I had like, they have a meatball sub and you know, I can't eat bread and stuff. Right. Uh huh. So I told them I just wanted the meatball sub, just no bread. Uh huh. So they brought me this pan dude and it was filled with meatballs and cheese and sauce. It was massive, man. I've never seen anything like it. There's no way that fit on bread. Like they were just like, that poor guy's not eating bread. We got to give him extra meatball. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they'll take care of you man dude it was so good i was like i'm ordering this again like normally i would get pizza when i'm at miguel's but right now pizza's a waste of my money because all i can do is scrape the toppings off of it and eat it yeah. so when that when i saw that meatball sub i was like dude hook me up with some meatballs oh that is perfect man oh I'm, good i've been trying to eat that mexican restaurant and every time yeah. i go they're, they're closed they're closed they close on like um, a weekday, and for some reason, I'd been there twice whenever they were closed. I don't know; it might have been either a Monday or a Tuesday. It's like a slow day for them, or maybe they like closed burritos? Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, who doesn't like them, dude? Their burritos—I'm not even kidding you. Their burritos are as big as your forearm. Uh, I a burrito is a go-to for me at the Mexican restaurant. That or a chimichanga or something. My buddy Josh got a burrito, and I'm not kidding you. We put his forearm up next to it. It was as big as his forearm. <laughs> like I couldn't believe how big a thing. You know who told me about that? Those those burritos. Hey, Dutch from Dutchware oh, no Gear. Way. How did he like, know? There was a hammock hang, and Dutch was there for it. And he and his buddy went out and uh, went to that Mexican restaurant. He comes back. You're not gonna believe how big these burritos are. He's just laughing the whole time. I gotta get in touch with Dutch. One of my hammock straps just shredded. What'd you do? Nothing. I just sat like. I sat down in the hammock, like I set everything up, good to go, over that tent platform, and wow. sat down, and one of the sides of it, like all the guys, you know Miyagi's like a hammock, he probably knew what those straps were made of, Yeah, and I bought them from Dutch, and they're all, everybody, I use them, and Jason uses them, and do you use the beetle buckle Dutch clip? I combo? used to, yeah, I used to use those. So you've used those in the past as well, I've yeah. never, ever had an issue at all, so I'm hoping that he's just like... That was a freak thing, and I'll send you another one. Dude, I have a completely different suspension for mine now. I'll have to check that out, man. Yeah, I don't I don't use any hardware for my suspension. What? I've got soft shackles to uh to connect it to the tree. Uh-huh. And then I just tie a Beckett hitch to my uh to my hammock. 
Oh, I'm done. Dude, it weighs nothing. Yeah. Like, I just completely eliminated all hardware from my setup. Yeah, there's advantages and disadvantages. No disadvantages. No disadvantage. There's no disadvantage. No disadvantage. I I, I can honestly say that. Like <laughs> it's actually a- very easy to set up. Like I thought it'd be really hard. Uh huh. No, it's super easy. And then once you done it a couple times, it's like you do it without thinking. It's awesome. The disadvantage is you have to tie a knot. It's not a hard knot, man. And it's not I'm really not a saying- knot because you just pull it loose. Like use one little jerk and the whole thing's pulled loose. I know. I, that's the way Hunter was doing it, and I, I see Miyagi do that too. But see, I don't and know. you trust those two? It depend, depends on the situation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you, man. It, when you don't have to have the hardware, and you know you're saving a few extra ounces, that means you get to take more chocolate. That's true. That is very true. Yeah, or you can take it all. Because I know, I know your love for chocolate. Oh. Yeah, I showed um there's somebody that, that was through hiking that I met. His name was Nalgene and it's a different story for a different day, but I showed him a picture of a resupply that, that I got. He's like, Man, you really love chocolate, huh? I was like, Yeah, I'd buy like four of those one pound bricks <laughs> or more for every resupply, the big old chocolate bars. Yeah, I love the chocolate. Let's wrap this thing up, man. Yeah, dude, I was just getting ready to say the same thing. Uh I we we gotta we gotta some got new an Instagram that we're starting page. to line up for our fall. Oh, um, we got some people, and and you and I, people don't know this, but we meet once a week. Yeah, yeah. So after we get done recording this, you and I are getting ready to meet and talk about some stuff. And I got some cool stuff to tell you about that I think you're gonna like. Um, so we got some cool guests coming up. We got people that are coming back that have asked us to come back on the podcast. And if you're listening to the audio of this, you just heard one of those last week. Uh-huh. Jeff Garmeyer asked to be back on the podcast. He actually asked and, <laughs> and Ridiculous he told us episode. that we're his favorite podcast. Oh, look at that. The rivalry begins. He told us that like that. That's Jeff Garmeyer told us that. So I think it's pretty awesome myself. I was going to tell you that the Instagram is growing. We made an Instagram account and for the backpacking podcast. And we've yep. been posting a few behind the, behind the scenes stuff, some, some sorry stuff and some stuff with the giveaway and all that kind of thing. So I think the giveaway will be over after this episode's published. Yes. But, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want to see some more stuff about our trips and some behind the scenes looks and, and how we do the backpacking podcast and, you know, post about our guests and anything like that, definitely follow us on Instagram backpacking podcast. Yeah. And check out who we're following because we follow everybody who's on this thing. So you're going to, if you get on there, you'll get to see, if you're looking for people that have been on the podcast, uh-huh. go check out our Instagram, see who we follow, and you can go check out some of our guests and their Instagrams as well. You got anything else? Bro, I got nothing else. I'm ready to listen. I've got this whole thing, this little thing of pork rinds right here. I've been wanting to eat this whole time, and you told me I couldn't eat them during the podcast because it would be unprofessional. So I want to wrap this up so I can finally eat my barbecue pork rinds. That's, We're professionals. That's what I want right now. And so right. it's purple button time. You ready? I, I think I'm ready, man. I think I'm ready. Let's get the music. All right, here we go. So, thank you guys for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys. And for myself and Mr. Jeremiah Jerome Stringer, we'll see you later. All right. See you, folks. Am I doing it right? Not at all. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> <laughs>